Welcome to episode seven of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with Psychomer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players by going to psychomer.org forward slash podcast. Thank you again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education saves lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that is free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. This week, I'm having a conversation with two guests talking about the Blue Star Family's Racial Equity Initiative. My first guest, Kathy roth Duque, is an advocate for the role of the military and civil society. She is an author, nonprofit leader, attorney, and former government official. Kathy is the CEO of Blue Star Families, the largest chapter-based nonprofit organization serving active duty of all branches, guard, and reserve wounded and transitioning veterans and their families. Blue Star Families' mission is to strengthen military families in our nation by connecting communities and fostering leadership to millions of people. My second guest is Navy veteran Sinclair Harris. He retired as a rear admiral after a 34-year career in the U.S. Navy. His service culminated as the vice director for operations to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. During his distinguished career, he led joint, combined, multinational, and interagency organizations both at sea and ashore across all aspects of defense. He also commanded the U.S. Fourth Fleet, leading U.S. Naval forces assigned to the U.S. Southern Command. He is currently the Client Relations Executive for the Defense Sector for Logistics Management Institute and serves on the Racial Equity Committee for Blue Star Families. Let's get into my conversation with them and come back afterwards to pull out some of the key points. The events of the last several years, but especially 2020, have highlighted the problems in our communities related to diversity and inclusion. One portion of our community may have thought that the problem was solved or hoped the problem was solved. Another very large portion of our community knows that this problem persists because we're experiencing it every day. So, Kathy, why do you think it's important for Blue Star families to take a role in addressing the racial and ethnic inequities? in the military-related community? Addressing racial inequity and lack of inclusion in the military community, it's central to the mission of Blue Star Families. And our mission is to support military families so that they can thrive, making their community stronger, but making our military stronger because strong military families are the basis of that. We've learned in our research that the key to thriving is having that sense of belonging in the community where you live. What we know is that military families of color do not always enjoy that sense of belonging, and certainly not at the rate that other families do. So that's core to us. We have to address that. It benefits nobody, not our country, not our families, not our military. And we have the opportunity to do something about it. And now's the time. Yes, being able to have those uncomfortable conversations out in the open, it's really necessary. And Sinclair is one veteran to another. We've heard all of the argument that the military is colorblind. We all bleed green. And while that's true to some extent, it's also not largely the experience of a lot of racial and ethnic minority service members, and especially not true for the families. As a senior military leader, why do you think that this is important to discuss? Thanks, Dwayne, and thank you for your service. Military, Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Army, Air Force, we move around a lot. 
And in general, we'll go someplace, we'll take our family on, on relatively short notice and, and almost drop them in a new environment and then be deployed. My headstone will read, he was never here, if my uh, wife uh, has to put it on there because I would go someplace and then gone. Situations happened like that, for one example, in Long Beach during the L.A. riots. And there she was in a new community, in a new town, new job, and I was at sea. I was not able to help her. And when you got kids, you know how kids can be. We got a new kid in a new area, and you're coming in and out of different schools. It can be very rough. And especially for those of color, because it's just one of the situations we have seen, unfortunately, recently, recent events show it even more so in our country. And I think this is some of the challenge, Kathy, as you mentioned. This is something that has been needed to be discussed for a very long time. Of course, Blue Star Families has been supporting military families, especially during this current era of rapid deployments. But why the uncomfortable conversation at this time? really focused on the military family. Black Lives Matter movement this summer gave us a huge opportunity to say the country is willing to take on some conversations. We can take a look at things that we've seen and we've known. We were stationed in Beaufort, South Carolina, and I saw those Confederate flags flying everywhere. And, and that was shocking for me coming from the places I came from. You think, how does this hit the African-American family and their kids and their spouse coming here. But it was one of those things you observe and don't discuss. And I think in Blue Star Families, we love to take on the things that people observe but don't discuss because that's where there's an opportunity for real change. I wish we had taken it on sooner. Black Lives Matter gave us the opportunity to really ramp it up and have the boldness, I think, to pull together our committee. Realize that this is an opportunity for major focus that we missed in the past and to not let it go by again. And so the Blue Star Families Racial Equity Initiative has a number of different parts to it, a number of different programs. Sinclair, you are a part of the Racial Equity Committee. Yes, sir. And, and our focus, and we were led by Lieutenant General Gwen Bingham, who I'm representing her and the rest of the team today, is a very diverse group that are looking at this challenge holistically across all services, across all ethnicities. And, and that includes the majority, because at the end of the day, what do we want? We want a stronger American military force that it depends on a strong military family that feel comfortable in new surroundings, that feel welcome, that feel that they're, no matter whether in Boston or California, they are part of and appreciated by the America that their spouses defend. And if I could jump in, Dwayne, the Racial Equity Committee really is the leadership of this whole initiative. We convened them starting this summer in July. They met regularly for months to help us shape what the response should be. They helped us put together what that response is, which is that we need more information, both more stories and more data, that we have, we know what one of the problems is that we have a lack of representation of underrepresented minorities in military support and veteran support organizations, among other places, but this is our world. And that lack of support means that military families of color are less likely to even know about the resources and support that's available to them. And that we had the opportunity to do something about it by creating a fellowship that would recruit and represent and provide leadership for those families today, but also those very same people who become the leaders of military veteran support organizations across the board in the future. And that really helped us 
come up with that direction and more. So they're, they're leaders and they're flag officers like Sinclair, who we recruited and did not let get out of our sights until he agreed to serve with us. So we're grateful for that. We've got flag officers. We've got senior non-commissioned officers. We've got wounded warriors and caregivers. We have people of different racial backgrounds. And I think that committee is really our strength. And you mentioned the Deploy Fellowship. These are your fellowships that you are encouraging racial and ethnic minorities to be able to be in positions of leadership. A lot of times it's challenging for, as you said, maybe minority military families to even recognize that they have a place if they don't see someone who's in that place. It, it doesn't bring to that awareness. So I'd like to hear more about the fellowship. Yeah, we're very excited about this fellowship. We're looking for talented black and brown members of military families, military spouses, transitioning veterans, adult children of veterans who have that capacity to lead. We'll train them in providing support to military and veteran families through our program. They'll work with us full-time for a year, but we'll also give them really top-quality leadership training through Bush Institute, through partners such as Google and IVMF, Red Cross. And then after that year of work with us, they will graduate to a fast track of leadership, either within Blue Star Families or with our partner organizations. And they can help to really transform the space. Many military and veterans organizations, they have very few people of color on their staff. Some of them have no people of color on their boards. And you can't really serve your community if you're not representing your community. I can uh, jump in, Dwayne, as a personal example. The pin I'm wearing here on my uh, lapel is from the Navy League of the United States. I'm one of the national vice presidents. And while the staff is very diverse, the board is not for the Navy League. And that's one of the reasons why I, I joined it, because I believe what they're doing is important. I was just asked recently to do the same for the Navy Marine Corps Relief Society by Don Cutler, who said, hey, we don't have a very diverse board. And the story goes on and on and on. And I think some of that is if we're only listening to voices like ours, no matter the amount of well intentions that are there, we need to have diverse voices to be able to have diverse solutions to very complicated problems. That's absolutely correct. And I can be raised by women. But I'm not one. And until you walk in her shoes, it's very hard to really understand the challenges that they're dealing with. Same thing for Black or Hispanic and Asian, and it goes on and on. So having a representative leadership for the groups that Kathy has just uh, described, I think, makes all of our military stronger, better, and brings more people to the table. Yeah, I'd love to tell another story, Dwayne, if I might. This stuff can feel very real to me, seen through my experience as someone who's Jewish, who military has taken to far flung places. And at one point, we were living in Germany, and my kids had chosen to go to German school so they could learn the language. And in eighth grade, when they were learning about the Holocaust, in her class, the German kids were all telling jokes about. Jews in concentration camps. And we lost a lot of my family in concentration camps. And we have a couple survivors that my daughter knew. So she would have nightmares at night about her classmates turning her in. It was very scary for her. Now, the kids weren't monsters. They're just kids. They didn't, to them, it was as remote as joking about gladiators and Romans. So it's not like they were bad guys, but they didn't understand that through the lens of her life and her experience, it was, you know, it changed everything about how she could relate to that school. And so I think it's understanding how to create compassion and awareness in people who aren't bad, but who just didn't see a different side of the story, you can see how that has cascading effects. And so 
I think that helps my level of passion that I have for this issue. And I think the darkness of ignorance, and of course I use ignorance in the lack of knowledge sense, not in the negative sense, but the darkness of ignorance is only dispelled by the light of awareness. And that's really what I see that Blue Star Families is doing, is shining this light, is giving people voices. That's really what all of these conversations have been about, is giving voices to people that have deserved voices for very long, but their voices were silent, where your daughter her ability to speak up in that classroom to be able to dispel that wasn't there at that time. And, and really, what I appreciate about the efforts that you're doing is it is based on research, right? Because obviously the data is there. The research is another arm of the programs that you're doing with the Racial Equity Initiative. Yeah, research is how Blue Star Families started because military spouses were all things we all knew, but no one else knew them. And you can't really tell that story unless you put the data behind them because then it becomes arresting. So for us, the data is very important too, both the focus groups and the new research we're doing, but also the old research that we collected information by race but hadn't necessarily analyzed so that we could say, hey, that's a fact. What I said to you is that we can see that military families of color are not getting information about programs and resources. I have that data. That's a fact. We could say military families of color have been much harder hit financially during this pandemic than other military families. That's a fact. And then we can do something with that fact. But until you have that data, it's very hard to mobilize attention. And so it's critical arm to what we're doing. You know, what Sinclair brings up is this experience that military families have moving to a place where they, as people of color, may not be as have that feeling of welcome. For us, one of the things we're going to get is data around that. Have you ever been concerned about moving to an area and not being welcomed because of your race or ethnicity? Have you experienced that? Have you ever separated? What we are seeing is that a lot of families of color are separating and choosing not to even go on some duty assignments out of concern about what might happen if they go there. And when we are able to put the numbers behind that, I think it will help everyone see that this doesn't serve anybody to let that situation continue. And, and if I could just put an exclamation point on it, Dwayne, is that's why they call them orders. A lot of time you don't have a choice. Most times you don't have a choice. And certainly if you're going to continue to succeed in the military, the, the, the service member doesn't have a choice. And the family has even less choice. And, and I think being able to have the data to back up the stories, I recall as I enlisted in 1992 and I went to, to AIT at Fort Leonard, Missouri, and I recalled in, in, in advanced training that we were told for certain of my fellow platoon members, there are certain gates that you should not go outside of, out the backside of Fort Leonardwood or Fort Polk. And unfortunately, that's the reality. And even in the mid-90s and, and definitely before then and since then, I think that was known. But those are the stories. But then having the data to back that up to say that you can't refute this. You can't wipe this away. This is the truth because the data shows that it's the truth. And then it lets people consider if that's the situation they want. One of the things that we have heard anecdotally that we're looking forward to getting more information about is it's sort of conventional wisdom in the Marine Corps. If you're African-American that you want to get to the West Coast, you're going to succeed. That it's much harder for African-Americans to succeed as an East Coast Marine than a West Coast Marine. If that's true, or if that's the belief, let's lay it bare. And then let's let the Marine Corps consider is what they want, the conventional wisdom. Is that a good situation? And if it's not, what do we need to do to have change? I'd like to mention our vision is that every member of our military family feels welcomed by and connected to a community in which they live and the community embraces them. 
And we think that will lead to improving the service experiences of military-connected families of color to strengthen America's armed forces. So this is really what it's about, strengthening America's armed forces. And, and really, you make a point that this is a national security issue. As you said, your wife said you're never there. You were always out on a deployment. My son was born one month before 9-11. And so the day after 9-11, my wife had a toddler, a newborn, and a husband that was volunteering, literally, to go to war. And so without our family's support, then that is going to weaken our nation, weaken our military services. And so this isn't a cultural issue. This isn't a, a, a feel-good issue. This is a national security issue. Absolutely. Remember, less than 1% of our nation serves. And, and increasingly, the military is realizing that for the complex threats of the future, they need the best, most diverse minds bringing to bear problems to solve. So we want to allow those best, most diverse minds to thrive in the military, their families to thrive, so that over time, after those millions of dollars of investments we make in training and resourcing and all that, we retain that talent so that they continue to protect all of us. Now, and I think that is a critical, obviously, for both of you, that is a critical aspect of what you're doing. If people want to learn more about what the Racial Equity Initiative is doing, how can they find that out? We'd love them to come to our website, Blue Star Families or bluestarfam.org uh, in your search box. And we've got a lot of information about the fellowships, the rec. Uh, we have a great video from when we launched the event and some of our um, other research and information. But I'd love to footstamp what Sinclair said earlier, because I think that's really just a perfect framing of what Blue Star Families is all about and what this initiative is about. Sinclair, any last thoughts? Thank you, Dwayne, for the work that you're doing to get the word out and to help us to help America's military. Yes, the resources don't do any good if they're sitting on a shelf somewhere. So we want to be able to get them in the hands of the people that we need. Thank you both for coming on the show today. Thank Thanks you. for covering this issue. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that is free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. My conversation with Kathy and Sinclair is specifically related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is obviously and absolutely a critical topic both as a topic related to current conversations going on in our nation and as a topic that has needed to be addressed for many, many years. Like many of the topics we discuss on this show, like suicide prevention, military spouse employment, and military cultural competence, DEI is a subject where there are many who have a lot of subjective experience and objective knowledge about the subject and others who may not be as familiar with the problems that exist or might not understand them. It may be helpful to define some terms to get some basic understanding. The following descriptions are based on explanations of DEI from the UC Berkeley Center for Equity, Inclusion, and Diversity and the University of Houston Center for Diversity and Inclusion. Diversity is ensuring that the teams and communities we exist in are not all of one type. Diversity is having folks around us that don't look like us, and that includes, but is not limited to, race, color, ethnicity, nationality, religion, socioeconomic status, veteran status, education, marital status, language, age, gender, gender expression, gender identity, sexual orientation, mental or physical ability, genetic information, and learning styles. If everyone around you looks like you, sounds like you, and thinks like you, then you do not have diversity in your surroundings and are missing out on important perspectives that are different from your own. 
Equity is the guarantee of fair treatment, access, opportunity, and advancement for groups that do not have the same resources as other groups. The goal of equity is to reduce barriers that exist that keep members of the groups I just talked about from achieving the same things as those in non-marginalized groups. Equity is not a zero-sum game. Making things more fair for one group does not take anything away from another group. And advocating for equity in one area for a particular group does not mean that there's no concern for equity for another group. Equity is making sure that the rising tide lifts all boats, not lifting some boats while sinking others. Inclusion is ensuring that traditionally excluded individuals and groups are involved in processes, activities, and decision-making in a way that shares power and ensures equal access to opportunities and resources. Just because a team or organization has minority representation, that does not make them inclusive. That makes them diverse to a certain extent. But if those minority representatives do not have equal voice with everyone else, then the team is not inclusive. As both Kathy and Sinclair identified in our conversation, the topic of DEI, as it relates to service members, veterans, and their families, is not just some feel-good, treat-everyone-well concept. It is about treating everyone fairly and not causing harm to others, which is what I believe is a basic tenet of our humanity. But it is also a national security issue. As the old saying goes, we are only as strong as our weakest link, and the strength of our nation's military is weakened by the stain of discrimination, prejudice, and intolerance. Our military is an all-volunteer force and is likely to remain that way for a very long time. If we do not ensure fair treatment of female service members, then those who have served will often caution against young women joining the military. The consequence of this is having a less diverse and inclusive fighting force and increasing barriers of achievement for women, not reducing them. If a person of color or someone with a particular sexual orientation do not see others treated fairly in the military or see veterans in these populations harmed in some way, then that can cause them not to speak up, to avoid confrontation, and to not engage in the wider discussion. That is not right, and that is not okay. To ensure that our nation continues to be safe and secure, we need a military that is representative, cohesive, and strong. Just because a conversation is uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not worth having. It probably means that we need to have that conversation even more. And I appreciate Blue Star families, Kathy and Sinclair, for taking on this topic in a direct and comprehensive way. I'd like to share the Psych Armor resource for this week, the courses on military culture and awareness. Military service members, veterans, and their families live and work in communities across our nation. However, because fewer than 7% of Americans have served in uniform, most who have never served are unfamiliar with military culture and don't know how to effectively engage with the veteran community. Sponsored by the Wounded Warrior Project, the military culture courses on Psych Armor are available for anyone who works with, lives with, and cares about the veteran community. The link to these courses will be in the show notes where you can see the cornerstone course, 15 Things Veterans Want You to Know, as well as modules that address the basics for civilians such as Veteran 101, Officer versus Enlisted, and Veteran 201, Military Families. So thank you for taking the time to listen to the episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmer.org forward slash BTM07, as well as on the Psycharmer website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. 
This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psych Army. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.